Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure? It's time. It's time. Did you just say it's time? Stay calm. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> Aside, Dead son. We'll do it live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vent Lab. Episode 80. 80? 80 episodes. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't know why people are still listening to this, quite frankly. No, it's wonderful. Time's just flown by. All right, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, today is Friday, which means we're doing a live stream. If you're listening to the podcast version, just a little reminder, we do a live stream every Friday. It's only 30 minutes, but that's fine. Because you don't have to have as long as they have a attention span. So tonight we have <laughs> the beautiful, wonderful Lee McNabb, formerly of 99.7 The Point. Formerly. Uh, now she just goes by... For, formal, uh, formerly. Uh, what's your middle name? Anne. <laughs> okay, formerly. Now she goes by Anne. Okay, Lee, tell us I get it. where, you, but, uh, where well, are you at right now? So I am in my bedroom, our bedroom, in West Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, we have a rule in our house because there's quite a bit of podcasting and Skyping and all of the things uh, in our home. We're both in radio. Uh, we have a rule that we have to blur out the background anytime we do something like this because we don't make our beds and we have laundry all over the bed. We have craziness in this house. And so instead of actually putting in the effort to clean it up for you, just blur it out like this. That is such a pro move. Now, Lee was very instrumental in Nathan and I's life. Uh, she was oh, awesome. the first one that gave us a chance mm. as interns on Morning Show with Brady and Taylor. <laughs> that lasted. None of the people that were at that radio station then are there anymore. Not one single person. Oh, oh my isn't that gosh. Crazy? Right? That is yeah. crazy. It's wild. I was grabbing your clip for our little video that advertises who's going to be on tonight. And I no, had to go back like, way back in the, the archives to find it. And it was such a trip down memory lane. Do you yeah. remember when we, uh, we were interns and we did the what's in the box thing? Yes. And Taylor like lost it when she was like trying to put her hands in the box. Like she just could not do it. I think that's our it was, favorite memory. It was like this, like, it was a box that if you stood behind it, you couldn't see inside the box. And then other people would put things in the box, and you had to put your hands in and guess what it was. But And I made know. the box, and I did an excellent job at crafting that. You you just need a crafter noon, and you've got the skills to make anything happen. <laughs> Proud of you. We had such great times at the point, and we miss you. So we decided I to Kansas have City. you I miss all of you so much. It's Aww. yeah, I loved I loved my time there for sure. Well, tonight we have Lee on to tell her story. Like every night, we have somebody come on. Usually, it's somebody from the media because we tell a lot of other people's stories all the time. But tonight, Lee is going to tell her story. So, Lee, what do you have for us? So, my story is actually why I'm not at ninety nine seven The Point anymore. Um, and uh, I actually want to start out with saying that I'm a newish mom, and I didn't have my first child until I was 38 years old. And I I say that because I I have so many questions for you, Rebecca, because oh, you're the complete opposite of me. <laughs> yes, I am. 
How old were you when you had your first child? I was 21 when I had my first child, and I believe 24 when I had the second and last one. That is bonkers to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just bonkers to me. Um, now, I'm not saying that everybody should wait till they're 38 years old, because that wasn't exactly the plan, and we'll get to that in a second. But what does having a baby at 21 look like? Because I'll tell you what it would look like for me. It would have fetal alcohol syndrome and it would probably be <laughs> oh like in a playpen in the back of this room. I, like I had zero capability of being that responsible. Well, I think for me, it was it was it was difficult because one, I was really young and had no idea what I was doing. Not that any parent has any idea what right. they're doing when they have kids. But I also, none of my friends were having kids. So I felt very alone and very inexperienced. And my husband was working two jobs and going to school. So I was alone all the time. And so it was like me and the kids, like my son, he was my little buddy, like my right-hand man. We just did everything together and just figured it out on the way. So yeah. how, how's that going for you at, at what you said, 38 when you had your first one? Well, and to, you know, to like um, go even further into that, I had three babies when I was 38. Not at one time, but almost. Almost. So <clears throat> it wasn't my plan to have my first child at 38 by any means. Uh, I was married before and uh, found out that I had some fertility issues. And so as my ex-husband and I started kind of going down the road of adoption, it actually kind of forced us to focus on a few other issues and realize maybe we just weren't supposed to be together. So things happen for a reason, right? That's a good thing that he and I didn't have kids together. However, um, that meant that if I ever did plan on having children, it was just that much later and it was going to take that much more science, I guess. So... When I met my husband, Mike Wickett, who used to work with us at Entercom mm-hmm. Kansas City, um, he wasn't like someone who had waited his whole life to have children. So I don't know that it was really a thought in his mind, but it was important to me to tell him that if we ever planned on having kids, that it was probably going to take more than just a little fun on a Friday, a little Netflix and chill, if you will. Were you nervous so, about having that conversation? <clears throat> I was because, quite honestly, it was important to me, so I wanted it to be important to my partner. But more than that, I knew it was going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're both in radio. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what are you saying? You're saying there's not a lot of money there? Not rolling in dough by any stretch of the imagination. Both in radio, uh, both at the time – living a life where, you know, I was in top 40 radio or hot AC radio, but, um, we went to concerts every night. We went out for dinner every night. We were the opposite of you. So when all of our (laughs) friends were having kids, we weren't. You were just out partying. They were having fun. Kinda. Kinda. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, which I would never give back any of those moments. Uh, We lived a ton of life, but we went the opposite way of you. So when no one was having kids yet, when you had kids, all of our friends had had kids and now really our friend base was still in their 20s and we were approaching our late 30s because those were the people that could still go out and do the things that we were doing. Uh-huh. So we get married and generally, 
I doubt either of you have much background in infertility treatment. Uh, Nathan, if you do, we've got a whole new story. <laughs> I'll, I'll you? hit you up. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Um, I'll talk to I'll hit Mike up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so when we got married, usually they say, okay, you need to try to have a baby for a year before you really look into fertility. Well, I knew that that wasn't a thing and we were approaching our late thirties. And so, uh, right after we got married, we kind of started that process. We actually did a podcast on infertility for about a year. Um, because there, there's like no, nobody talks about it. It's this, you don't talk about it. It's taboo. It's embarrassing. You're broken. You know, nobody, and it affects like one in four women or something. crazy. And it's and yet, an incredibly painful experience. I mean, talk about lonely, you know, it's like once a month you're reminded that it didn't work and you start the whole thing all over again. And generally speaking, most of my friends had already had kids. And so not only did I feel kind of behind on what I like to call the Midwestern plan, which is you get <laughs> married, you buy your first house, you have a kid, you move to the suburbs, you have your second kid. I mean, it's just how it goes. Um, not only did I feel kind of behind in all of that, but now... Uh, now I've got to, you know, figure out all the science and all this stuff. So nobody talks about it. Nobody's, um, so I thought, you know, let's, let's start a podcast about it. We can talk about it. It was called wickedly in love. It still exists somewhere out in the ether. Um, and so we started with, with the fertility treatments and, you know, it kind of starts out with some tests confirming it's not him. We knew it wasn't him, but like insurance makes you do all that stuff. So it's not him. They do a couple tests with me. Oh, it's me. We already knew that, but great. And then thanks for making me um, pay for that to find out something I already knew. Yeah, right. Been there, done that. Let's pay for it again. And a lot of the stuff isn't covered by insurance. Um, and so I, st I still got a credit card that uh, <laughs> that baby Britain live is living on, you know. Um, and so we started um, IUI, which is interuterine insemination, different than in vitro. And I'll tell a little bit about that. So IUI is, um, Rebecca told me ahead of time the kids are watching, so I have to watch the work. <laughs> um, IUI is when the man gives his portion of baby creation. And uh, I would take that to the clinic. I keep calling it a clinic. I mean, like the fertility place. I don't know. Clinic to me is like so sterile, but um, I would take it in. I had to keep it warm. So I would keep it in my armpit or my bra. <laughs> Significant effort don't there. Know it. No, you guys don't know it, but you probably had conversations with me in the hallway at work and didn't even know that it was in my armpit or my bra because sometimes I'd have to stop oh, at the station first. I'm sure. So there's that to think about later. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. You take that in with you. They like centrifuge it up and spin it around and do whatever they do to it. And then they have like this big, long syringe looking thing and they um, put it in you. They've uh, you've had a bunch of ultrasounds. You've had all these shots. So you know that um, eggs are there and extra eggs are there because you're taking medicine and the trigger shot that releases all the eggs. And so um, we did that once and then we did that twice and then we did that three times. And then on the fourth time, we were going to go to six with IUI. Uh -huh. um, the fourth time was like, now I'm doing shots every day. I'm getting ultrasounds once a week. Um, and 
the day, uh, two or three days before I went in for my fourth round of IUI, my father was put into hospice, mm-hmm. hospice care. And I was in Des Moines, living in Kansas City. And I remember I had that appointment on Monday. I had to go in and get IUI. And it's like, you know, they tell you you're not going to be fertile. It's not going to work when you're stressed out. And, like, talk about being stressed out. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I went back Monday. Wicket made his contribution. I took it in. They did the IUI. And then I drove right back up to Des Moines. Well, my father passed the next day. And uh, his funeral was that Thursday. And <clears throat> I remember... Um, like thinking that I'd gotten my period. Mm-hmm. And so not only is it the day of my father's funeral, but my fourth round of IUI didn't work. I mean, it's just all these things, right? Yeah. Well, little did I know that that bleeding literally at my father's funeral was implantation bleeding. And I got pregnant on the day of my Oh my father's gosh. Funeral. Yeah. So it's very circle of life, right? Uh-huh. Like, um, and so the next day I woke up and I was like, well, that was weird. That period lasted an hour. Like that's <laughs> And so I went and got a test. So I was like, maybe that is a thing. I don't, I don't know. And it had a little line. And then the next day I took another test and it had a little line. And finally I was like, screw these lines. I need the one that's digital that just says. Yeah, just <laughs> tell me. Or not pregnant. Explain it to me. Yeah. So I took that one in the bathroom of the Target in Olathe. <laughs> And because I just like bought it, went in the bathroom. Uh-huh. And, no, it was Blue Springs. Blue Springs Target. Want to make sure they get credit where credit's due. <laughs> right. um, and it said pregnant. And so I went home and Wicked had gone home a couple days before me. And I'm coming home from my father's funeral. And I'm like, hey, I, I got you this. And I showed him a picture of a collage of pregnancy tests. Uh-huh. And he's like, what? And so, yeah, I basically got pregnant the day of my dad's funeral, oh, which is my gosh, nuts. So we, you know, pretty typical pregnancy. Um, you know, did you have like morning sickness or any yeah, of that? Yeah, kind of I just threw up constantly forever. Uh, it was horrible. The worst. I was getting migraines. I was going to the ER for migraines. But I mean, whatever. Like my hormones were crazy out of whack. So, Britton Birdie Wicket was born <laughs> January 23rd, 2019. Just missed Birdie. that tax relief. Uh, oh, it gets worse <laughs> with the tax stories. Just hold your horses. <laughs> so, Birdie is actually my dad's grandmother's name. Aww. And he called my sister Birdie all growing up. So, it's kind of like an homage to my dad and my sister. Uh-huh. So, um, after you have a baby, you are to uh, abstain from any sort of anything for six weeks. So you go back to the doctor. They give you the okay that you can kind of resume life, whether it's exercising or intimacy or all that kind of stuff. So uh, Britain's six weeks old. I go to my appointment. My doctor says, you're doing great. Go off into the world and whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, at that appointment, they often ask you as well, do you want to go on birth control? And I'm thinking... No, first of all. Yeah, after all you sold, just went through. There's no way. I just way. paid all that money. Exactly. Um, if we have a sibling for Britain, it needs to happen sooner than later. And let's be honest, it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not. And I got pregnant the next week with twins. <laughs> oh. So there's that. 
What was going through your mind when you found out you were pregnant again? Okay, so I was out for drinks with uh, a record rep friend of ours and Jeremy, you know, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling kind of gross. And Jeremy sat down and I had ordered my beverage and she says, I'm going to have what she's having, a Tito's double tall. And I said, it's a single. And she's like, what? Since when do you drink singles? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just like feeling kind of weird. Then we ordered nachos. They didn't taste that good. I'm like, Tito's and nachos. That's what I sustain life on. <laughs> and it's not going well. So I went home. We bought a treadmill. This is <laughs> I went home. I was like, oh, maybe I'm just fat. I just have a baby. <laughs> I feel gross. Let's off. go buy a treadmill. We bought a treadmill. We move it into our house. And then the next day, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of know this feeling. And this gross feeling is called pregnancy. And I'm, I still owned approximately, and I'm not exaggerating, 200 pregnancy tests. Oh, my gosh. What? Actually? I just bought them in bulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you need any, let me know. <laughs> um, and so I went upstairs and I took three. And Wick and I just talked, like, maybe the week before, like, do we want to have a second baby? Like, what does that look like? Let's get used to where we're at with baby number one and then we can talk about it. So I take these three pregnancy tests. They all just, like, light up like Christmas. And you didn't even need to say pregnant that time. Like the lines were enough. The lines were all sorts of lining. And so (laughs) I went downstairs and I rounded the corner and I said, I think I'm pregnant again. And he said, oh, okay, well, make an appointment. Let's, I mean, he's like, no big whoop. Oh my gosh. No big deal. He likes to brag that he muted the Bucks basketball game. He did not turn it on. (laughs) He just muted it. So a couple days later, I make the doctor's appointment and I went by myself. Like he had picked up Britain from daycare and they were back home. And like, if I was pregnant, I was pregnant. We'd been through this before. Look, here we go. And um, so I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, but like, this is so soon after. Why don't you go get an ultrasound? And I'd convinced myself in my head, by the way, that I was not in fact pregnant, that there was some sort of weird leftover goop. Yeah, in it's there not possible, that was, like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I lay down on the table in the ultrasound tech and I'm telling her the story about how we'd done all this fertility. Our daughter was at this point, by the time I went in for the appointment was maybe three months old. Um, and I'm looking at the screen and I go, are there two? And she said, oh, I'm so glad you saw that. I wasn't sure how I was going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a close one. And I just start laughing. Uh-huh. Saying, That's hysterical. That's hilarious. Oh my God. And she just keeps saying, It's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. This is great. It's a miracle. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, uh-huh. No, that's funny. This is funny. Because what else am I going to do? So I get up off the table. She's like steadying me and walking me out the door, making sure I'm not going to totally pass out. She's waiting for you to just like have the reality moment just hit you in the face. I don't think I've still had the reality moment <laughs> hit me in the face, by the way. Uh, so I get home and I set up my camera, my phone to record and I give Wicket the picture that has the two little things and it says A and B and then twins at the bottom. And I hand him the picture and he said, oh, you are pregnant. And then he's like, A and B, A and B. And I think he said A and B for real, maybe two <laughs> minutes straight. 
And then he fell to his knees and said, oh, S word. Uh-huh. And then we got on with the show. And then that was that. And I started getting morning sickness again. And I started getting headaches again. And it was round two. I, so basically, I was sober for two straight years, if you want to put that into perspective. <laughs> I know you two aren't big drinkers, but let's be honest. I used to be. Not anymore. When Wicket um, announced this on KMBZ... I remember not even knowing how to react. Like, I just smiled and nodded. Like, I was so scared for you. Like, I just thought, I just know how much I never want to go through that again. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they've really got their hands full. There are crazy messed up people out in the world that like being pregnant. (laughs) They are horrible humans who... I have no idea what the real world is like because pregnancy is the worst. The worst. The outcome is great. Love, yeah. Love my babies. Love my babies. But I'm sick. And I in this first trimester and it's over, no. Um, no. Yeah. Sick I, the whole I time. I hear it goes better for some people, but apparently Higher. you and I were not those people. Second time around, I ended up in the ICU for eight days with pneumonia. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty awful. And wasn't that right before you moved? So, Wick and I are talking. Again, let's remember, we're both in radio. And so, three babies in childcare? Uh Not a thing. It's Uh just not a thing. I mean, we're trying to figure out, like, even if we... Like, I couldn't fathom loading up three babies every day, getting them someplace, dropping them off, picking them up, yada, yada. So we're talking about, okay, if we have someone come to our house, we minimum need to pay them 30, 35 grand a year. And, huh? Like, that's not happening in our, that's not happening. Yeah, you're just signing over a paycheck at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I had decided that I was going to quit my job. And I would stay home with them. And, you know, his show was doing super well on KMBZ. He had a ton of clients that, you know, were fans of his and he had endorsements and everything was going really well. Um, And so I gave my two weeks. And then um, the day before my last day, I had 105 temperature. He took me into the emergency room and they admitted me in the ICU with pneumonia. So I never even got to have my last day at the point. I never got to say goodbye to anybody. I think Brady cleaned out my office, no. like wow. turned my key in, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so while I was in intensive care, I got an email from a former employer in Des Moines who had seen that I had left my job. Um, and it was a deal I couldn't pass up. It was back at the cluster of radio stations that I originally started in radio way forever, a long time ago. Um, My first internship was there when I was 18. Um, It was reasonable money. My family is in Des Moines, my mom, my sister, her husband, her two kids, my nieces. And And we just couldn't wrap our... Yeah, well, let's just say we couldn't wrap our brain around three babies and not having any family. We made friends in Kansas city that are like family and will always be like family, but we still needed like my mom to just like be able to come over. Someone (laughs) you you don't feel guilty about having do things for free. 
for sure. And I still feel a little bit of guilt, quite honestly, but I feel a lot less guilt. Than... It's just part of being a mom. You'll always feel guilt. Girl, you are not kidding. <laughs> so I was recently offered a promotion at work, which is awesome. Um, but I came home the other night and I was like, am I doing the right thing? <laughs> is making more money for this family better than spending time with my kids? You know, and I'm just like having this like mom guilt meltdown. Uh-huh. And my husband was very sweet about saying like your job keeps a roof over all of our heads in a nice suburb and feeds us and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, the opportunities we have are because of you. And it was super, super sweet. And so, but yeah, mom guilt, good night is a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. And And I'd like to say it goes away, but it doesn't ever. So what is it like? What do I have to look forward to when they're, because you have two teenagers. What does that mom guilt look like that? Um, I still have guilt about not spending enough time with them. Um, you know, or if, if, if I'm working even, um, right now I get to work from home. So like I get to go to the pool with my daughter during the day when normally I don't get to do that. So when life is, you know, normal as we remember it being before the pandemic, I miss dinner with my family. I don't do homework, which most of the time I enjoy not having to make dinner or do homework, but I feel guilty about it. Like I should be there doing that. These are memories that they should have of us. You know, I used to spend time with my son every night before he went to bed, just watching stupid YouTube videos and stuff like that. And when I went back to work, I didn't get to do that stuff anymore. And so, yeah, that's where the goat comes in with the teens. Yeah. And how old were they when you went back to work? Um, my son, I believe, was a freshman in high school. And so my daughter was uh, just finishing up elementary school. So that's awesome. You did get that. Yes. Yeah, so At least I got w- that time in the beginning. But now Definitely. you know what you're missing. You know? <laughs> So I don't Part know of me better. was like really thankful to have a break. So it went for a good couple of years where I really didn't feel guilty. Like I put in my time and then yeah. I started to miss it again. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. And I, you know, like uh, our son is in physical therapy and he has an appointment on Tuesday. And this evening I've been trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, I have two meetings during physical therapy, so I can't take him. And if Mike takes him, then someone needs to watch Britton and Miller. And, you know, so that's when obviously you call my mom or my sister. I have a couple of girlfriends that are here that are stay-at-home moms. Um, but the guilt, oh my gosh, like, uh, I'm his mother. I should be able to take him. Like, these meetings are not more important than him. But if I don't go to these meetings, then he doesn't get dinner. Right. Like, yeah. And that's, you know that's what? where it's at. The key is that you're just going to do the best you can do. And what you can't do, you just have to let go of. And the whole messy house and... It does not matter that there are dishes piling up in the sink and that the carpets haven't been vacuumed for months and that your sheets haven't been changed. Like that's you just have to let that stuff go and do what's important to you. I I mean, amen. I mean, but easier said than done. But right? amen. But you for just sure. have to keep reminding yourself of that. And and one day yeah. this will this will all be behind you. We have uh, some friends stopping over tomorrow that are driving cross country and they are dinks, double income, no kids. Oh, I remember the days. Dinks. (laughs) Um, and I'm like, Oh, I need to, if they're coming in our house, like I should scrub a toilet or something or (laughs) like at least run the Roomba. So it looks like I tried, you know, cause it's just, it's a disaster. Um, 
but you're right. I mean, it, you got to prioritize the things and the snuggles and the walks and the pushing on the swing come before unloading the dishwasher sometimes. And, mm-hmm. You know, it just is. Anyway, so I'm pregnant with twins. I'm in the intensive care unit. Um, you know, Wicket's working at KMBZ. We have an, at that time, eight-month-old daughter, something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, it just, it, all the stars aligned, and it just made sense to get closer to family. So I accepted the job and negotiated my contract from my hospital bed. And four <laughs> days after I was released from the ICU, I started my new job in Des Moines. Britton and I lived with my mom for a few months while Mike sold our house in Kansas City. And then he quit his job, and he's now a stay-at-home dad with three babies. Miller and Miles were born January 6th, 2020. Talk about missing a double tax <laughs> right off. And then we got a stimulus, and we missed all two stimuli. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's a stay-at-home dad with three babies all day, which also gives me some guilt because he had a pretty – kicking career and he's put all of that on hold to be home with them so that's my story that is a huge story with a lot that happened in a short period of time and (laughs) I am so happy for you and at the same time I was so scared for you but it looks like you are handling it like a pro and you guys are what else are you gonna do you just do it yep that's exactly it there's nothing else you can do but do it yeah Amen. And Nathan, yeah. I am aware that you're still here. Huh? What? <laughs> I know. Poor Nathan, hey. I'm talking about like IUI and periods and like all these things. And Nathan's I, like, what am I supposed to do? I cut it out, actually. I have no idea what you guys have been talking about for the last 30 minutes. So I'm just hanging Fair out. Enough. I'm just hanging. Fair enough. Well, you know, Nathan's like your own little sun nugget. So <laughs> Sun nugget. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. That's well, what I, I call like them all the time. All right. Sun nugget. <laughs> Mom, are you ready to end the yeah, live right. stream? Sun nugget, you want to take us <laughs> Awkward. Put <laughs> your pants on. Uh, my pants are on still. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lee, thank you so much for being on the podcast and telling us your incredible story. That's nuts. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. Thanks for freaking making Rebecca and I the people we are today radio wise you know makes my heart smile that's so sweet of you guys you're like you're like our you, radio mom you are you and brady well, listen. are radio yes. parents <laughs> brady was my work husband and filled the role very well so if we had to birth radio babies you are the best of the radio oh babies. that's the best thing you've ever said to me all right thank you so much for being on the podcast and telling us your story it was a privilege and an honor to sit here in silence and listen to the whole thing. Anytime. I'll <laughs> shut you up anytime. <laughs> All righty. Thank you guys for watching the live stream and for listening to the podcast. We'll see you on Tuesday. Well, you can hear us on Tuesday. You we'll see you next Friday. Tuesday. Yes. All righty. With all that being said, my name's Nathan. I'm Rebecca. We out. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>